good to see all of you on Wednesday night. I love First Wednesday. You like First Wednesday? One of my uh, favorite things is history. I enjoy reading history. I enjoy learning about history. And specifically for me, one of my personal favorite things of history or favorite categories of history is presidential history. And I love, the, I love I'm just very fascinated with presidential facts and, and historical things in that, of that nature. But uh, a few years ago, my wife and I made a trip to Mount Vernon, which is where President George Washington's house is and where he lived for many years. And we went to his house, we're checking things out, and you know you walk through kitchens and you walk through living rooms and you walk through office space and so much of the material there and the artifacts there are original paintings and everything to the time of George Washington. But one room that really struck me was his personal bedroom. His personal bedroom is, uh, was added later after the house was built and this, this bedroom was for privacy from guests that at that time and in that, those days many people would come and stay with you. So he had a part of the house built on with a bedroom that kind of connected to an office underneath and he would get up in the morning and he would go down to his office. He would not wake his wife. He always got ready in his office for the day and he would respond to letters and, and work. But you know, it is in that room that um, President George Washington, he died in that room. I believe he was around 57 years old. And I was fascinated when I was in that room because in that room, one of our founding people of this nation, whether whatever you think of him, he's part of the beginning stages of this country. That's a historical moment. They passed away to be in the room. You know, you can go to places like in Philadelphia and stand in rooms that are historic, that mean a lot. You can tour the White House even, and you can stand in history-making history -making rooms. And, and have you ever heard anybody say, I wish I could have just been there? In fact, it just could be a fly on the wall in a moment like that where it was so significant and so powerful the things that took place, whether it was at Independence Hall or the White House or just wherever, a room, a place, a thing that, that happened. And it's interesting to think that the Holy Spirit came down to earth in a room, a physical room with four walls, a physical room with a door. It's just not how you would picture God coming to earth. I mean, after all, God has set the precedent to how he does come to earth is through a 14-year-old virgin girl on the backside of the Judean desert. God doesn't need to have a royal entrance to humanity. But I was fascinated when I went to Israel and they took us to the place, they called it the cynical. It's the central part of the city of Jerusalem it's the place where they believe that the disciples, or the Bible lets us know that the mother of Jesus was there. 120 individuals were in a room. And the place that we went to is not the original room. It was destroyed after 
the siege of Jerusalem in, in 90 AD, but the room that we were in was built on top of, they believed, the area where the upper room was. That room was constructed and built, eight, well, it's been fixed a few times, but 800 years ago, that room has not been touched. They believe that is the, some people believe those are the exact measurements and, 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 and angles and everything, that it's a replica of what was, and it's 800 years old, that that was the room that the Holy Spirit came to earth. And what's interesting is you begin to study the upper room. When you really take time to, to learn about what the upper room was, I was kind of intrigued to learn that the upper room was not necessarily town hall. Yeah, I was fascinated to find out that the upper room was not necessarily a, a community center. I was fascinated when they began to tell us that the upper room was a person's home. That the bottom level of most homes was either a business or a barn, mostly dirty. It was, very, it was very just storage sometimes, but at the top, they would have large living quarters that were very nice, especially if it was a wealthy individual. You have a very large house. And the upper room would be a place where they would do entertainment. They would have relaxation, they would have connection. We would just call it a living room. And I begin to study and wonder, where, whose house was this anyway? Whose living room did the Holy Spirit first show up in? History would tell us that it was a woman by the name of Mary, not the mother of Jesus. She had another son I'll tell you about in a moment. But we only know a few things about Mary and this house that she had. Mary was, number one, she was a widow. We know that because later in Scripture, her home is referred to by her name. And it says to go to Mary's house, John Mark's mother's house. And at that time, you would never refer to somebody's house by the female person first. In that time, you would always say it was the male's name first. So if it was like Pastor Tyson and Crystal's home, you would say, it would, you would say, uh, Tyson's home. But if Tyson has passed away, you would say Crystal's home. So we know from facts of history that she was a, a widow. Not only was she a widow, but she had a son named John Mark. And she was also, according to scripture, we know had a, John Mark had a first cousin named Barnabas. History tells us, this is so fascinating, that this woman is a single mother who is a wealthy woman living in the center part of town, a large living room she owned, raising two boys, one named John Mark and one named Barnabas. They believe that she was likely raising them in that house. Not only was she a widow and not only was she the mother of John Mark and the aunt of Barnabas, but says she was also a prominent supporter of the early church. Here's what's fascinating about her home, and I want you to stay with me for a minute. What's fascinating about the upper room is that this upper room was exactly the upper room that Pastor Aaron just spoke about, which, by the way, was an incredible revelation that you shared during communion. Very, very good. But that place where he shared the Last Supper with his disciples, 
That was the same upper room that the Holy Spirit fell in. Mary had made an invitation to this itinerant backwoods preacher from Nazareth and his ragtag team of disciples to come to her home and to host meals together. And to, in fact, if you read some of the most prominent part of the book of John, I believe it's from like John maybe 11 and on, most of that portion is written from that time in the upper room. 260 verses referred to that room and how they were in that area. We find that Peter, when he is in the book, of, uh, the book of Acts, we find that he is arrested. And the Bible lets us know that an angel comes in the middle of the night and sets him free, if you remember the story. Breaks the chains off his hands, breaks the chains off his feet, opens the gate, and the Bible says in Acts chapter 12 that when the angel leaves him that led him out of prison, the Bible says that he goes to Mary's house. John Mark's mother's house. She goes right back to the upper, he goes right back to the upper room. It is very, very likely to say that this upper room was the headquarters of Christendom 101. When Christianity started, it started in a lady's living room who made space for Jesus, made space for believers, made space for the move of the Holy Spirit. And it all started with a wealthy woman with a big living room and can cook a whole lot of food. She was from Mississippi, amen, somebody. But what's really interesting about this story, so it's fascinating that it was the fact that she opened the living room for Jesus' disciples, he was getting prominence, he was getting famous. It was probably an absolute honor to let Jesus be inside your house. But what's fascinating is that she did it after the crucifixion as well. So before the crucifixion, it's pretty interesting you even did it, but it's commendable, and probably all of us would have. But after the crucifixion, to open your door to 120 believers, their leader was just killed. Their leader, according to them, and 500 other people, the Bible says, that Jesus has made his presence known and he has now ascended. But to be a Christian and a follower of Jesus, hear me, was not popular. It was actually a scary thing to be a follower of Jesus. They're at this little tiny window in time where it is very, it's, it's, it's uncertain. It's, 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 they don't know what to do next. They, they're just following the directions of going in and tarrying and praying for the gift from the Father. And so we find that not only is this woman a widow, not only is she the mother of John, Mark, and Barnabas, the, the aunt of Barnabas, not only do we find that she was a prominent supporter of the early church, but the fourth thing we find is that she was brave. Because to open your house in a time of crisis and social upheaval and pressure and persecution, I don't know about you, but I don't know if you've ever tried to hide 120 people in your house. But they're gathered together at her own risk, 
And her bravery says that I don't care what they're doing on the outside, but I need a move of God on the inside. This single mother taking care of a boy and his cousin in a time of threats and danger, in a time of uncertainty. She opens her home one more time. It's almost like she could remember, Crystal, all the times Jesus did works in somebody's home. You know, we love to think about what Jesus does at church. But when you study the Bible, Jesus did more miracles in houses than he ever did at church. When you study the word of God, I feel like preaching tonight. You're making me feel something all of a sudden. When you look in the word of God, he healed some people at church. And we thank God that he could show up in a meeting like tonight and do something supernatural. And I know I'm among some people that know and believe that God can still do things when two or three are gathered in his name. He said, I will be among you. But Jesus also went to houses. Jesus' first miracle, he turns water into wine at a wedding. And most of the time when we think a wedding, we think that's at the synagogue or at church with a preacher. Actually, weddings were not at synagogues. Weddings were at houses. Jesus' first miracle on planet earth was at somebody's home. Somebody invited him, the Bible says, that him and his disciples received a wedding invitation email and they came to the wedding and whenever Jesus was invited to the house, the miracle happened. Mark chapter number two, another fascinating miracle. It's one of my favorite stories in all the Bible. The Bible says that it was in the King James. I love the King James. It says it was noised abroad that Jesus was in the house. Isn't that something? When Jesus is in the house, it doesn't matter who's preaching when Jesus is in the house. It doesn't matter who's singing when Jesus is in the house. It doesn't matter what the lights look like. It doesn't matter how big the room is. The Bible says it was noised abroad that Jesus was in the house and it was crammed all the way to the door. And guys came with a sick friend. You remember the story? He was, he was a paralytic. And the friends carried him to Jesus. And when they got there, they couldn't get in for the press, the Bible says. And they couldn't get in, so what they did was they got up on the roof. And, and they began to tear the roof off. And if you study it, it wasn't a cheap roof. The tile that they referred to in the Bible was an expensive house. They went to some uppity neighborhood and started ripping off the shingles <laughs> to get somebody to Jesus. But when they lowered him in, the Bible says he saw their faith. I would think Jesus would see the bed. I would think that Jesus saw the pitiful situation, but the Bible says Jesus saw their faith, and he said, pick up your bed and walk, because Jesus still does a miracle in a house. Are you with me? I remember reading Mark chapter number one. Again, another Israel push for you that haven't signed up. I was in Israel. We go to Capernaum and we see a house called Peter's mother-in-law's house that after Jesus left the synagogue and the synagogue is there and you walk out, you see a house there, Peter's mother-in-law's house, and they go in the house and the Bible lets us know that she is with a fever. She's with a fever. 
and in the house without an organ player, without live stream, without a kid's ministry, Jesus did a miracle in the house. And when he healed her, the Bible says she got up and started cooking too. Everybody's from Mississippi in the Bible. Because Jesus does a miracle still. Jesus can still do miracles in the house. Matthew chapter nine, I remember reading a story of Jairus and his daughter. When Jesus was walking through a crowd, a man stops and says, hey, my daughter's not well. Come to my house. Come to my house. The Bible says Jesus went with him to his house. While he's on his way, the woman with the issue of blood makes an unbelievable introduction to the story, and it's fascinating to read, but really that's an interruption to what was really happening. Thank God the woman with the issue of blood was healed, but Jesus was on his way to Jairus' house. And when he got to the house, if you remember the story, there was a bunch of people there crying. And in Bible times, people got paid to cry. Did you know that? Some of you could make a great job right now. It's like, I could do that. People got paid to cry. Jesus goes in the house and kicks everybody out of the house. Because in case, let me say it like this, some miracles, you're gonna need to kick some people out of the house. <laughs> There's gonna have to be some people you delete off social media, some cell phone numbers, some plans you're gonna have to rearrange. Because sometimes you want, you want your daughter to live more than you wanna have a good time. He kicked Jairus' family and friends all out of there and just left a few people in there and said, we're going to pray. The Bible says she came to life because Jesus can do things in our houses. It's almost like Mary thought of that. On that night, when all those followers are sneaking in the house, trying to be quiet, She's handing them all biscuits and gravy on the way up. People are rocking their babies. People are sitting in circles and praying. The Bible says they prayed and prayed fervently. This home that she had, it wasn't a perfect home. Single mother, fearful times, scary moment, her Messiah was dead, and they were all wondering what to do. Despite having an imperfect home, she still opened the door. And I guess one of my questions for you tonight is, have you ever been there? When you didn't know what the next step was, when you get the doctor's report, and you have the fear in your life, and you can't sleep at night, and you get the call about your son in jail, or you find out about your child's marriage falling apart. Have you ever been in the upper room when you just didn't know what was next? All you're going, you're only there because he told you to be there. Have you ever been sitting in a service and been like, I'm only coming to this church because he asked me to come to this church, and I feel like God wants me here, but I need a miracle, I need a breakthrough. Have you ever sat in a service and you've been like, I came because he wanted, but I don't feel anything, I don't know where to go, I don't wanna know what to do. Can I tell you today, just open the door. Because while they were there, in a moment, the Bible says so wonderfully, suddenly, <laughs> everybody say suddenly. suddenly. 
The Bible lets us know in the word, the word suddenly in the Greek means unexpectedly and shockingly. That in a moment, they were expecting the Holy Spirit to come. They didn't know what it was going to look like. They didn't know what it was going to sound like. But apparently when the Holy Spirit showed up, it shook everybody. It surprised them. It was, it was like when they least expected it. The Bible says suddenly there, oh my God, I love this. Suddenly there came from heaven. Period. Just stop right there. Let's talk about that. Aren't you glad that when things come from hell, things can still come from heaven? When you feel like you're fighting, heaven can still come down and touch your family, touch your mind, right there in the living room, right there in a place where they least expect it, in just the middle of town somebody's physical address in a living room. The power and the presence of God showed up and the Bible says what happened in that room turned the world upside down. Can I tell you today, when the Holy Spirit shows up, he may show up unexpectedly, but when he shows up, he can turn your family upside down. When the Holy Spirit shows up, he can turn your addiction upside down. When the Holy Spirit shows up, he can turn your prayer life upside down. It doesn't matter what it feels like when you open the door. He can show up in a living room and do something at your, at your house. I don't want you to think tonight that you need a miracle and you can only get it at church. I wanna believe with you tonight that when you go home and when you open that front door, suddenly something from heaven comes in and peace comes in and joy comes in and victory comes in and miracles come in and God's power comes in. When God fills living rooms, when God fills bedrooms, when God fills physical addresses, it changes the trajectory of things and has a residual effect for life. I think about the story is fascinating because her son is John Mark. A lot of people don't really know who that is, but John Mark was one of the writers of the Gospels. Matthew. Mark, Luke, John. Mark, a teenager at the time of Acts chapter two. Just a teenager in the back and the Holy Spirit falls. So touches his life and does such radical thing inside of him that he ends up writing one of the books of the Bible Paul later says, bring me John Mark. In 2 Timothy, he said, because he is profitable unto the ministry. And it all started in the living room. Barnabas, the cousin, was a missionary used greatly by God. In fact, it was, it was Barnabas that opened the doors for Paul. He was Saul, if you remember, and it when he's preaching or he was out killing Christians and persecuting Christians and Jesus catches him on the road to Damascus, knocks him off his donkey and he goes blind. The Bible says that it was Barnabas that convinced people that he was trustworthy. The church was freaked out. Is this guy for real? Is he gonna kill us? Is this, 
And it was Barnabas that opened doors for him. It was Barnabas that, valid, that verified his voice to the first century church. In fact, I would say one writer said that we may never have seen the epistles that Paul wrote, two-thirds of the New Testament, if it wasn't for Barnabas, a teenager in the living room. I think of my own life. Mom and dad started a church when I was six years old, still our family church, and he started it in the living room. And I remember being a little boy and watching my dad get up with a tambourine, because y'all don't know nothing until you've had church with a tambourine. Can I get an amen? Are there two or three people in this room right now that know what I'm talking about, having church with a tambourine? If you know what I'm talking about, raise your hand. I need to see you. Okay, all right, there's more of you than I thought. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. My brother got a little drum set and put it in the corner by our back door. And in that living room, I remember two or three or four or five of us. And this is a true story. I'm gonna tell you, this is true, and I'm gonna tell you. One night, it was storming, and nobody came to church. Well, Dad already had the nurseries full, because we were there. <laughs> so my dad gets up. He's like, well, I'm gonna preach. True story, I remember this. So my dad gets up, and it is only me my two sisters, my brother, and my mother. And dad sings. My brother's playing drums. I'm running the sound or something. <laughs> so now if you're keeping track, there's only four of us in the congregation. My brother comes off the drums and my dad opens his Bible and he begins to preach. Cheyenne, my sister, falls asleep. <laughs> my sister Lashana had to go to the restroom. My brother had to do something. At one point, my dad says, I, he says, I promise you I was preaching and I looked up and nobody was there but Lashana sleeping on the couch. <laughs> and you know what he said? I kept preaching because he knew God could do something in the living room. Kept preaching because I knew God could do something in the living room. A few years later, actually one year later, maybe six months, we had Easter in our home. So exciting. Easter. Mega church time. I'll never forget Easter. 50 people showed up in our little tiny house. They were sitting all the way back in the dining room, sitting all the way back to the, the living room, sitting all around my dad. And I remember us looking around like, God's doing something in the living room. Years go by, dad has buildings and do storefront church, and, and now, you know, there's a bunch of us kids, and, and all of us serve in ministry, you know that, I've told you, but all of us serve in ministry today, and I think about, it all started in a living room. I guess what I wanna ask you, what's possible in your living room? 
We know what's possible in the sanctuary. But I want you to leave this building tonight and know that God could do something with your John Mark. And there's a Barnabas watching. And there's a next generation in the room that God is raising up, that, that he is just waiting on you, Mary, to open the door and to send out the invitation and say, Holy Spirit, you're welcome at this physical address. You could do a work right here in the living room. And I'm gonna close in prayer, but I wanna do something in a moment. The Bible says that in Revelation chapter three, Jesus is talking to the church. And he quotes a very, we've all heard it, we've seen it on pictures, we've seen it on paintings. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Whoever answers, I'll come in. You know, Jesus wasn't talking to the lost. He was talking to the church. That means you could be saved and have the door closed. That means you could be going to church on Sunday and having a relationship with God that is limited. There could be more. You could have a, a filling of the Holy Spirit. You could have the leading of the Holy Spirit. You could have a joy-filled Christian experience with so many of us have thought that Sunday morning is church and is Christianity, and that's all there is. I've come to tell you today, he wants to do something in the living room that he does here on Sunday morning in the auditorium. in the living room. Pastor Aaron's boy is down here, Mr. Good Looking. I don't know if you've seen this guy. How old are you? 11. You know, you're sitting right there. When I came in, first thing I thought, John Mark, Barnabas. You know what you're seeing right now? Your daddy doing communion. You get to see it. And I know your family and it happens in the living room. It happens at home. And we just don't know what God's gonna do with him, what he could do through them. Even though days just feel long as parents, don't they? It's like, my God, is there 27 hours today? I mean, how come bedtime takes so long? And every night, our kids have a story. Like, Lily's like, hey, Daddy, it's just, I need water, and I need you to tuck me in, and there's a monster on the roof, and there's a deer in my bed. I'm like, what the heck? <clears throat> but I often think, <clears throat> as what happened in our living room as kids, who knows what will happen with my kids? Who knows what God could do through my life I just keep the door open and say, I want more of the Holy Spirit. You are welcome into my day-to-day -day life. I want to be like Mary, who I didn't just shut the doors and have the big living room to myself, but the door was open. I snuck believers in, and we prayed, and we waited, and when God showed up, everything changed in a moment. Everything changed. So here's what I want you to do. I've never done this, but I want you to stand with me all over the room. This is a simple sermon tonight. I, I didn't expect to be long, but I need you to hear me for just a moment. I believe there are people in the room that all you hear, you could be like Mary, and all you hear is the fear of your house. All you hear is what's wrong. All you hear is what's scary. All you hear in your head is what's going to happen and fear-based life. And 
Maybe you just hear the enemy in your head saying, you know what? You're not gonna make it another year in your marriage. Maybe you hear the Holy Spirit. Maybe you hear these thoughts in your head telling you that, you know what? You're a failure. You should take your life. Maybe you hear these thoughts in your mind and when you talk to your spouse at night and it's just like, God, what are we gonna do? We got so many bills. We don't have enough money. Maybe some of you have sat at the kitchen table and you've talked about your grandkids and the beliefs that they have and the thoughts they're having, that you're concerned and the weight is unbearable. Maybe somebody this week drove from the hospital and parked in the garage and just sat there because you got a diagnosis and like Mary, you're overwhelmed. But here's what I want you to hear me tonight. I've never seen anybody do this. I don't want to make anybody uncomfortable, but I brought my house keys up here. And I was thinking about this today as I was preparing. That this represents my home. In fact, this represents the authority of my house. You can get in my house if you got my keys. And what I want to do tonight as a church is I want to pray over your house. I want us to pray together that you'll be like Mary, that when things are uncertain and you don't know where to turn and your heart is overwhelmed, that you can open the door and let the Holy Spirit do what only the Holy Spirit can do. And when he shows up, the Bible says he filled the house. And when the Bible says he fills the house, I want you to hear me. When the Holy Spirit begins to fill, things have to, become, things have to come out. You can't keep fear and be filled with the Spirit. You can't keep anxiety and be filled with the Spirit. You can't be afraid. And watch this. The Bible says there was a sound. I want you to hear me tonight. There was a sound from heaven. That means this. I'm going to pray that your house is going to sound different. That you're not going to fight like you used to fight. You're not going to be afraid like you used to be afraid. It's going to sound different. When the Holy Spirit showed up, it sounded different. Filled the house. I want you to do me a favor. I want everybody in this room, if you have house keys, I want you to grab them right now. I'm not going to take them from you. Don't worry. I feel some of you are like, is he going to take these and sell my house and pay the church off? It's not a bad idea, Pat. We should write that down. Can all of you just hold your keys up? Sounds like I'm back at the tambourine church. <laughs> I want to believe with you that the Holy Spirit is going to fill your house. That when you open the door tonight... And you, I mean, I'm just going to believe it, that when you open the door tonight, take a moment and enjoy that moment because it's going to just start moving in there and peace is coming in there and victory is coming in there and hope is coming in there. And listen, for some of you that are empty nesters and your kids have moved out, just pretend it's their keys. You speak life over them. And when you open that door, it's everything connected to you. And you speak life that they're going to come out of that lifestyle. You speak life that they're going to be free from that addiction. You speak life 
life that they're going to marry the right person. You speak life that they're going to be able to finish that education. You speak life and you declare and decree that what the enemy meant for evil, the Holy Spirit is going to come in and do what the Holy Spirit does. It's not by might nor by power, but by His Spirit, says God. If you believe it tonight, somebody say amen. get those keys in your hand I don't care if it's an apartment I don't care if it's a 10,000 square foot house I don't care if it's a trailer I don't care if you're homeless whatever it is you just pull out something that represents your house and here's what I want you to do we're going to pray I want you right now to tell God your address he knows where it is but just remind him tell him where you live and declare that that square footage and declare that acreage and every blade of grass to the glory of God. God, we pray right now in the name of Jesus. In this room, there are many Marys that are struggling with fear and anxiety and pain and struggles and question marks and condemnation and, ba and battling in their mind. And Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that at their house, in that home, when they open that door tonight, they're gonna sense peace that passes understanding. We're gonna cast out demons out of their house right now. Every evil spirit that's lurking in the room, the spirit of lust that is circling some bedrooms, we command them to go in the name of Jesus Christ, the spirit of condemnation and fear that is circling homes right now. We speak life, the spirit of addiction. Somebody's been hiding a bottle, but tonight God says, gonna go pour it down the toilet and you're gonna be free. I speak it over you. I speak life to Day. We believe that jobs are going to come. Opportunities are going to come. Increase is going to come. Blessing is going to come. In the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, do what only you could do. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Heal bodies tonight. Heal bodies tonight. Heal Brett, heal Brett Robinson's back tonight. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Touch Tyler's body. We speak life. We speak life from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. We speak life. We decree and we declare it. We decree and we declare it in faith. Come on, let's sing it all over the room. If you got to hold them keys up and sing it to God and declare to Him right now.
I pray miracles. I pray my inbox fills up this week with people who are saying, you won't believe what happened this week. When I got home, <laughs> he told me he was sorry. When I got home, I got an email from my mom I ain't heard from years. When I got home, the pain in my back went away. When I got home, the miracles begin to pour in. Because like Mary, we're going to open up the door and you just are welcome in our living rooms. You're welcome in our homes. You're welcome in our children's life. I pray over every teenager coming down that John Mark's coming out and Barnabas is coming out and soul winners are coming out and leaders are coming out and senators are coming out. We believe it today. In Jesus' name, bring a revival to the living room. To the living room. Jesus, Pray for Marty and Jackson. Pray you touch his body tonight. Do a miracle. He isn't in his physical living room, but God, you know right where he is. Room 2022, I think. You just show up right there and you begin to restore his body as his kids are back here. We pray in the name of Jesus. Do me a favor, Michael, wave your hands so they can stretch your hands towards your family. You and Juliana, stretch your hands right there. We're believing a miracle from the top of his head to the soles of his feet, that there'll be a, that his nerves will begin to proper regularly, and he'll come walking out of that room. He'll be healed by the blood of Jesus Christ. We just believe it. We don't understand everything. We don't know what to do, but the Bible says to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So we're just trusting you, God. We put our faith in you, and we trust you to show up in Jackson, Mississippi, and we're going to know that you are God, and we promise to give you glory. We promise to give you praise. We promise not to take the credit. We give you honor. I hear the John chapter 11 that this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God in Jesus' name, that the Son of God may be glorified thereby. Now give God praise like he's already done. Hallelujah. Come on, sing it.
God, you're welcome to our living rooms. You should just go in your house tonight. Go in your living room. I don't care if it's big or small. And you just say, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. In Jesus' name. Come on, the king is in the house. Thank you for this room. Thank you for this church. We thank you for 500 Holly Hills Road. We thank you that this will be a living room for you. We thank you that where dead people can come to life is in this living room. Where the broken can be mended is in this living room. Where the sick can be healed is in this living room. We believe that the, the, the searching can find purpose in this, in this living room. Father, I pray that this will be a place that when people connect to this house, when they leave this place, when they go home, when they go to work, they'll turn the world upside down. And just how the next generation was impacted by Mary's decision to open the living room. I pray that this next generation will be impacted. We pray that they'll be used of God and be great. Pray that they'll be business owners and thoughtful and they'll graduate on time and that they'll, they'll, they'll never die before their time. They'll never die with a needle in their arm or they'll never spend a night in a jail cell. You're gonna use them and speak to them and fill them. Let them all have a hunger for the word of God a hunger for the Spirit of God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Don't it feel good to just sit in a service like right now? It just feels good. Come to the living room. Come to the living room. guys sing it Will you come all over the room to heaven
pray bitterness goes, anger goes, confusion goes. Pastor Tyson, so many times the battle is at home. You know, the battle is in our minds, battles, but like if you sit with people, it's just a, sometimes it's just a fight at home. And I just pray and believe that God's going to show up in the living room. <laughs> that's all. That's it. That's all. I approve this message. That's all I got to say. But hear me tonight. Go home expecting when you walk in. It's going to sound different. It's going to feel different. And the best days are still ahead. If you believe it, put your hands together and give God a big, 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 big praise. 